we are starting the show by talking about the fact that the B.C. legislature is back and a little bit of history was made this morning. I, Eleanor Sturko. I, Eleanor Sturko. Do swear that I will be faithful. Do swear that I will be faithful. And bear true allegiance. And bear true allegiance. To His Majesty King Charles III. To His Majesty King Charles III. All right, we haven't heard that before. Joining us uh, to talk more about this and what we can expect in this legislative sitting is Richard Zussman, legislative reporter for Global BC. Richard, great to join. Uh, great to have you right off the top of the show today. Jill, it's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I wanted to start with that because it, it will take a little getting used to, I think, hearing uh, the <laughs> pledge and hearing to the king. Yeah, we know that a lot of MLAs and ministers have been re-sworn under King Charles, but our understanding is that Eleanor Sturco is the first elected official in the Commonwealth to actually be sworn in for the first time under King Charles. So yeah, it will take some time. You know, we're getting used to the changes from Queen's Council to King's Council and all of these uh, traditions that have been in place for a long time. So yeah, Eleanor Sturco is... Uh, the first, and it's going to be really interesting to have her in the Liberal caucus, you know, well-known in Metro Vancouver, uh, her experience working for the RCMP. These are the type of candidates the Liberals need to recruit to start getting back that relevancy in Metro Vancouver, re-engaging themselves into the conversation. So it's going to be interesting to have her here in the, in the chamber. All right. So this gets the seven-week fall sitting underway. What are you focusing on or what do you think British Columbians will see uh, come out of this setting? Health Minister Adrian Dix is walking right by me now, so let's start with health. So clearly that's going to be one of the big, big issues. He's telling me no, but I don't believe him. Health is clearly going to be the big topic of discussion in session here. We've seen a number of elements this government's put forward around trying to address some of those concerns around doctor shortages, around wait times. But there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. We're going to do a story on the news hour today about the frustration from nurses that, you know, they are largely ignored in that human resources plan. We saw last week that they are chronically understaffed. Nurses are largely seen as the lifeblood of our healthcare system, and they need more support. So there's going to be a lot of issues around healthcare, legislation around healthcare. So that's going to be a big, big topic. And then the general idea of affordability, inflation will continue to dominate the conversation. Gas prices continue to break records. So how government responds to that will be key. And then the overlying part of all this is the fact we're going to start the session with one premier. We may end it with a different premier or we may not. <laughs> so that's the big thing that we don't know is John Horgan's the premier now. David Eby could be the premier at some point in October if the NDP boots Anjali Hampadurai out of leadership race. But if she stays in it, one of the big tones through the session is going to be, you know, that leadership race. What's David Eby promising out there that he may implement? And how does that differ potentially from what the government's doing here in Victoria? Yeah, it would be interesting to to take a look at that. And as you know, we've been talking a lot about the housing plan that David Eby released, a very ambitious yeah. plan. But what is it going to look like uh, depending on, like you say, what happens with this race? Yeah, and so as we start having wider conversations about David Eby's health care plan or David Eby's transit plan, and, and, and as David Eby puts these ideas on the table, we know he differs from the way the current government's trying to execute around 
uh, involuntary confinement. You know, those sort of conversations are going to creep into the discussion we hear in question period, which again kicks off this afternoon for this full session around two o'clock. You know, it's going to start dominating the questions reporters are asking. So all of that is going to be really crucial to watch here as the leadership race. Everybody here, the establishment here, Jill, the NDP establishment wants the party to step in and boot on Julia Apadurai and have David Eby as the premier in place by the end of October, early November. That's what the establishment wants. They want a smooth transition, but it's unclear whether that's going to be what happens. She is now registered. She signed up members. Obviously, we know she's under investigation around some of those signups. But they, the party should expect to run this long leadership contest right up until uh, they announce a winner on December 3rd. But if we're up to the people here, that those in the establishment, they would like this to be done and see a new premier uh, by the end of this month. Hmm, interesting. And, and not as though you just get to make that decision because you don't like somebody <laughs> or you don't want them to be the leader. But a lot happening there, like you said, with the investigation as well. Yeah, and I think that's part of the issue here is nobody wants to be perceived as usurping the democratic process. But if, in fact, someone had breached multiple rules to gain an advantage in a leadership race, should we be running that race uh, with those sort of advantages in place? That's the discussion that's being had right now by Elections BC, by the BC NDP to determine that. Uh, the assumption still is that David Eby is going to win this leadership, but Andrea Perdurai has proven to be popular. She has signed up a lot of members, and uh, we may have to see that test for David Eby to see if he can galvanize the existing members and ensure that his members he signed up get out there and vote. It's, it's a complex issue for the party because um, with such a strong front runner and only one of them, it becomes very complex, and the perceptions would be really bad if they're seen booting the one person perceived as having a chance to the CDB. It would just be seen as the party handing him the reins of, of the most important job in this province. Right. All right. We'll continue watching that one for sure. Uh, Richard, just a, a quick mention as well. This is a report we often talk about. Uh, you want to get the bad news out there. You do it on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> this actually came oh, out on a Saturday morning, morning Saturday at 10 a.m. <laughs> uh, what do we know about this is the full expert investigation into repeat offenders and crime in B.C.? So we're going to hear from Minister Farnworth about this in about 15 minutes' time. And, and I think part of it is the fact that we saw the heart of this report already with those recommendations. We had a media availability around it. And the report just supplements a lot of that work. Yes, there are important things in that document that should be analyzed by reporters and by um, groups out there concerned about this issue. Um, you know, should you be releasing things on a Saturday morning? No. But I don't think there's anything tucked away in there the public should be worried government is trying to hide. But we'll, we'll hear from Minister Farnworth about that timing about 15 minutes from now, because clearly there are some questions around accountability uh, when you you know are releasing reports like that at a time where most of those covering the legislature and covering these public safety issues you know, or at soccer practice with their kids. And, and by the way, my son's team won, so just in case you were wondering. <laughs> that was my next question. How did you know? <laughs> All right, Richard, thank you so much. Look forward to your report tonight and hearing what Mike Farnworth has to say about that as well. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Joe. My pleasure as always. That is Richard Zussman, a global news reporter. He is based in Victoria. And as Richard mentioned, we will get more reaction to the full report. It's called Making Our Communities Safer. And it was released Saturday morning. So 
Don't fear if you've not had time to look at it. It is 170 pages long, so you are not alone if you've not read the report. But uh, some of the highlights are, as Richard mentioned, this is in addition to those 28 recommendations that we saw back on September 21st.